Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. journey with Mpo family. Welcome to episode 17. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would like to start by apologizing. At the end of episode 16, I promised that this episode would be a continuation of the topic of firmicide in South Africa. However, the week following the release of the episode was emotionally intense. My mother has been depressed, so my time and energy has been focused on improving her well-being and assisting her to regain balance. Hence, I have taken the decision to pause the Roses Are Red poem deconstruction episode until further notice. The poem is about my childhood with regards to the physical and emotional abuse I watched my mother survive and also my encounters with physically and emotionally abusive partners. Hence, coming out of an emotionally taxing week, it would be a burdensome energy pull for both my mother and I to release the episode. Now that I've admitted to being a chronic apologist, we can get into the exciting part of this episode. In the studio with us today is Pratik, a man from... Siliguri. Siliguri, (laughs) a city in India. Pratik is a mathematician who likes to dabble in doodles, songs, stories, and conversations. I personally love to refer to him as a comedian. I had seen and briefly spoken with Pratik at several poetry events. However, We truly connected in February of this year when a conversation brought to light how similar our struggles with regards to the anxiety of being a foreigner amidst the desperate longing for home. Pratik, namaste. Namaste, thank you Mpho for having me on your show. (laughs) Welcome to Journey with Mpho, we are so blessed to have you here. It's been such a long time coming. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So tell us a little bit about your hometown. What is Siligiri like? The people, the food, the culture? Oh, the food is great. So I start with the food, <laughs> I guess. Um, so, so one of the favorite food that I that I eat there is momos, which oh. is which is dumplings. Oh. It's, you can have vegetarian dumplings or um, mutton, which is like goat meat dumplings or chicken yeah. dumplings, served with like a spicy tomato and green chili sauce uh-huh. that's my favorite food so when I go back home I just go to the, the roadside vendor and I eat a bunch of momos <laughs> is that similar to samosas? no so this one says uh, these are steamed oh yeah. so super dumplings yeah what about the people? people um, it's an interesting place because um, it's close to the border f- from Bangladesh Bhutan Nepal 
Okay. And it's also the transit point for tourists going into Sikkim and Darjeeling. Okay. So you see a lot of people from different countries there, a lot of tourists. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess like growing up, I had friends from who spoke different languages and were okay. from like different ethnicities. And yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it was <laughs> great. And I I used to love talking to tourists when I was walking back from school mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. my bus after getting off my school bus yeah. I would walk back and one of my fun things to do would be to if I see a foreigner is to talk to them and practice my English uh-huh. and also like have them give me coins because I used to collect coins <laughs> okay so let's back up a little bit English is a first language in schools in India or not not all schools okay yeah. but I went to a school which was uh, where the instruction was English medium Interesting. So, in Hawaii, we have the term aloha, mm-hmm. which just means, you know, the spirit of the land, the breath of the people on the land, you know, the love that runs this island. And in South Africa, we have a similar term, Ubuntu, mm-hmm. which is the spirit of humanity. So, is there something similar in India? Oh. <laughs> I can't think of. I'm pretty sure there is, but I can't think of one. One. I don't yeah. think if we have a word for it. Yeah. But I guess the most common thing that I've seen all across India is um, like how welcoming they are of um, anyone who visits you. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like the, the respect that you give to people who show up to your house or people you meet on on the street. Yeah. Basically. If for unknown people, you still, I guess there's like a code of conduct. Yeah. Where people yeah. are very nice and mm-hmm. welcoming. How often do you hear the term namaste? Um, so it depends on, depends on like who you're talking to. Like if I'm talking to my friends, we never say namaste. Oh, surprising. <laughs> yeah. But if I'm talking to an adult, then I would probably start the conversation by saying namaste as a Mm -hmm. show of respect Mm -hmm. but with friends it's it's more like um just like hey we have something like oi okay so so it's like oi that's how we like greet each other (laughs) it's more like a hey yeah yeah okay so you went to an english medium school Mm -hmm. where did you learn the other three languages that you speak uh, so my mother tongue is Nepali, which okay. is what I speak at home. So I just, I guess I learned that by listening to it. I don't know how I learned it. <laughs> and then I speak Bengali because my city is in the state of Bengal. So okay. the, a lot of people there speak Bengali. So okay. you got sort of like, you just hear around and you start talking to other people in that language and mm-hmm. listening. And then I also took two years, two years, yeah, two years of Bengali in school. Ah. as a third language because we do a third language as well in school that's phenomenal so with what three languages did you take well you took bengali as a third but what was hindi other? was my second okay and then um, bengali was my third for two years and then i changed school and then for the last year my third language was sanskrit so i did sanskrit for a year but i remember nothing about it oh man it was so difficult no excuses excuses <laughs> So Hindi is like everybody pretty much um, depending on where in India you are. Yes. Hindi is the second language. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Delhi, I started like speaking Hindi because that's what they speak there outside. Yeah. So uh, I can speak pretty well too. 
interesting. So how would I say hello in Hindi? Um, hello generally translates to namaste. Namaste. Yeah. Okay. But like, how are you or how was your day? Um, like, aapka din kaisa tha? Ah, interesting. So it's so phenomenal because I grew up in South Africa, which I don't know if you know, but has like a considerable Indian population. Mm-hmm. So I grew up just like being immersed in like Punjabis. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, Forgive correct. me. <laughs> and like the curries and the flavors and the biryani. My favorite, you know, food when I could still eat yogurt was biryani, which is like Greek yogurt on the side. Yeah, that thing is great. Super. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of like North Indian food. Okay. So if you go to East India, like my hometown, the food is a little different there. Okay. So you have... The Bengali cuisine, which okay. uses um, sweet, like, sugar. So, a lot of their food are spicy, but there's also a sweetness factor to it. Okay, okay. And then, for Nepali food is, again, it's, it's spicy, no sweet, but it's, again, different. Different. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Let's get a little bit into you. What does friendship mean to you, just as... Oh. When someone says friendship, what do you think of? What comes to mind? I guess the first time I ever thought about friendship is mm-hmm. I always have this image of friendship being like this train that just never stops. <laughs> okay. So if I get on it, then it just doesn't stop for me. So it's like, if I consider someone a friend, yeah. doesn't matter if I've known you for five minutes, one hour or like 10 years. Yeah. You just, if you're like a friend in my head, yeah. then that's it. Like you're, you're a friend. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like... You call me or, you know, there's something going on and mm-hmm. you need my help. I'll be there for you. Yeah. So the image, it's funny. Like when I was a kid, I had this image. It's like, oh, friendship is a trend that never ends. Yeah. Like just keeps going round and round like forever. <laughs> what do you think about family then? Family? Ah, interesting. It's a hit by car. <laughs> <laughs> I guess family would be like if you're looking out of the train and then you see this like landscape that's mm-hmm. there and sort of if you're in the country the landscape doesn't change okay I traveled a lot on trains when I was a kid so it's a lot of like things I think of is in terms of trains <laughs> so you look out and you see all this green and it's like mountains and sometimes there's like fields of um, crops and sometimes there's jungles mm-hmm. maybe like family is that you know <laughs> they're, they're there like yeah. always you can always get off the train and yeah and then your family is always there for you so. mm, that's a very beautiful image actually i like that okay so you're currently working on building your own ukulele yes where did you learn that skill what inspired I, I, you i'm learning that skill right now okay yeah so again the inspiration was so first is i tried to learn ukulele because okay. i've always wanted to learn how to sing Oh. And um, I'm not a very good singer. <laughs> so I figured I should start with the ukulele to get an idea of like what it means like to sing. Okay. And then secondly, I'm really bad at doing things with my hand, like mm-hmm. making things with my hand because I've just been concentrated on like doing math and like 
school stuff so much uh-huh. that I feel like I should be using my hands to do something. So I wanted to learn um, how to work with wood and how to start making things of my own. So that was the inspiration mm. for um, That's out. interesting. I always say to people, so my I'm like book knowledgeable or smart, if you want to call it. You give me a book, I have photographic memory and I can look at the pages, read the book and remember something. Ask me to do something with my hands, like even braid my own hair. No, it's a no-go, you know. So I'm coming more and more into acceptance of what it is that I can do. Like there are certain people in the world who are here here to like Mm -hmm. paint walls and murals and make the world beautiful. And the rest of us are like in the books trying to figure out how to make the paint. Not that I'm a scientist ever. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm more comfortable doing that too because mm-hmm. most of my time that I've spent has been like um, writing mm-hmm. or basically just, just like walking around thinking about like just... The meaning of life. It's a weird thing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like what would it be like if an alien like abducted me? I was like, <laughs> do I like that idea? Sometimes I go, that would be fun. Maybe there would be nice aliens, you know? They abduct me and we have a nice party and there's like alien booze, which is awesome. And then they send me back. <laughs> I wonder what alien booze would taste like. I don't know. Like. It's like maybe it sh- takes you to another dimension and like <laughs> some alien alcohol. And they give me like a small bottle of like, here's a gift for you. <laughs> <laughs> to take home. <laughs> take home. And then I, go, I come back and I tell my friends a story. It's like, yeah, do you guys want to try alien booze? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> That's probably going to kill us. We don't believe you. Okay, so in the bio you sent to me, you said you're currently relearning and rediscovering yourself. When did this process begin and what would you say inspired it? Um, it, it I would say it started last year um, mm-hmm. while I was here and I was going to grad school and um, I decided to just drop everything and go back home. Mm-hmm. Although like I wasn't sure like what, like wait, go back home, like where am I going back? Yeah. I guess it started with me being feeling very anxious about what I was doing with my life mm. and um, being very overwhelmed. Yeah. I can't put a word to what it was, but it was the best decision ever. Yeah. <laughs> so first I bought tickets back home, which is to Delhi where my parents are right now. Okay. And uh, and then I, I have some very good friends in Maine um, with whom I went to school with. Yeah, so yeah. I called them and they were like, hey, why don't you just come here like before? Yeah. So I changed my plan and I ended up like spending... First, I went to Seattle to a friend's for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and yeah. then I went to Maine and lived in this house with seven or eight people yeah. for like a month. I didn't even have tickets. And <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. So th- from there, the process started as to like, I realized that um, I don't actually have to be productive okay. or like contribute to like society okay actively mm-hmm. in order to justify my existence okay and that made me realize that oh wait a second like you know it's okay like i'm not working right now yes and all i'm doing is like learning how to take care of myself okay and i realized i've never done that Ooh, it's like i've never yeah. asked the question what do i want to do like mm-hmm. say i have a whole day with no responsibilities, mm. what do I want to do? Mm. So it's really hard, like, answering that question because the first answer would be like, oh, I should probably look for jobs. It's like, yes. wait, no, let's put that on a hold. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. 
are like, I should probably be writing or I should be editing this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, let's, let's put that on hold as well. Yeah, yeah. And what comes after that? So I was surprised to find like, I was okay. You know, it was like, oh, I want to take a nap for like a couple hours. Yeah. I want to cook a meal or I want to learn how to, um, I don't know, do some animation. Or, yeah, yeah. Or maybe sometimes just do nothing, just go for a walk. Yeah. So... So that was like the process of like relearning is basically asking what I want from myself and not like what I am expected of from Mm. like outside. Going more within. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting to see like what was coming up. Yeah. I think a lot of people are not given that opportunity. You know, we Mm -hmm. go to kindergarten, we go to school we go to college and then we get jobs like there is no set pause time and just do what you want to do even if that may seem like nothing to society like you don't have a job you're just napping and not working and not making any money yeah but doesn't purpose come to you you know maybe that's why we're here we're not here to like change anything or make it because this is a very beautiful world Mm -hmm. this is a very beautiful planet and it has been working and operating long before you and i were on it right and it will probably continue to work and operate long after you and i have been on it yeah and so to ask what can we contribute instead of appreciating the beauty of being in this present moment right now is a powerful experience like at the same time that you were feeling that last year and I remember us talking about it I was feeling that too like I've got to stop like I went to college I did it I got the degree I don't even have the job that's aligned to the degree like you start stressing out about what society wants from you and what you can offer society and what are you doing to change the world but in actual fact minute by minute the world is working on changing you from the inside it's saying go within go within stop looking outside stop Mm -hmm. looking outside and this week too has been a lot about that for me i'm like i should probably you know take more breaks and just do nothing have unaccounted time you know like i'm not doing anything i'm not contributing positively i'm just here breathing and taking on all that is so beautiful because every time that i'm focused on something else and seeking purpose for something else life is passing me by like i'm not stopping to smell the roses (laughs) right yeah and it's it's actually it sounds simple a simple idea that we should be okay doing nothing yeah but it turns out that it's so difficult yeah because all conversations like when I was not doing anything yeah. I was just like just existing <laughs> like if someone is asking me so what do you do it's yeah. like it again gives you a little bit of anxiety because you go like I'm doing nothing and then you kind of laugh in order to like yeah, cover yeah. it up yeah. because how do you explain some to someone like I'm not, not doing anything like yeah. I'm not looking forward without to anything without judgment or fear of judgment exactly yeah. or like without even like when, when someone says, I'm not looking forward to anything, that sounds like a sad thing, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't want to look forward to anything. You're just sort of content. Yeah. I'm just here doing nothing. Yeah. I'm going to do nothing tomorrow. And yeah. I'm going to do nothing the day after. <laughs> and that's not sad. 
Yeah. Like society makes you feel like that that's kind of sad like you don't have ambition yeah. and you don't have like dreams. Yeah, yeah. But at one point I was like that's what I used to think as well. Yeah. But at one point I was like no this is great. Yeah. The world will be okay without me like without me actively contributing mm. and doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Nothing's going to yeah. break down, you know. The world functions exactly how it is functioning like you said. Yeah. And I think we do more harm trying to fix what isn't broken, trying to put put laws and things in place to segregate and say these people should not be here, these people shouldn't have the freedom to do this. Just let it flow. This yeah. is the circle of life. Mm-hmm. This is how things work here. And maybe if we just all stopped for a little bit, went inside ourselves and had that freedom because i think other people are acting out from their lack of freedom to be who they want to be society right. expects something from them their parents want something from them you know their kids and their families want something from them and it's like just stop for a little bit let the person just lay on the couch for a little bit and if it makes them happy maybe get a small house live out of a tent for the next 6 months you know and not have bills to worry about let this person figure out what it is that they want to do and then they actively slide into alignment right, right. with the universe and you're like you're here doing what i want you to do with less resistance and less like go 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 you have to be this you have to do this you have to earn this much money and do you think it's more of a western culture to ask what do you do <laughs> or do you get that a lot yeah, in india too yeah it's back home because it's like assumed you'd have a job <laughs> it's like you got to be doing something so when i was traveling and i would like show up at some hostel or something and so what do you do and i'm just like nothing <laughs> <laughs> and they're like yeah i mean you're you're on vacation right now you're doing nothing but what what are you going to do when you go back from this it's like i don't know like probably nothing nothing i don't even have tickets i don't know how long i'm going to be here <laughs> oh man and that seems like more natural state like if you look at animals you know like mm-hmm. if like you take a goat for example let's say let's say somehow goats know that they are they are being farmed for the milk and meat right okay but they're still not walking around thinking oh i got to eat good grass so my meat is like very good <laughs> for the humans right they just they're just there they don't have any purpose yeah yeah but they seem happy yeah right? and they seem to be enjoying themselves <laughs> okay so let's dive into your book novella mm-hmm. what are you writing oh <laughs> so this started 2016 the okay. winter of 2016 i was in maine and it was the first winter that i decided to not go anywhere to spend it in maine okay terrible decision <laughs> <laughs> All my friends were gone. Super cold. Okay. It's dark early. So I had 16 days and every night I could not go to sleep. So I would just go out, take a stroll between 1 and 3 a.m. Okay. And I'm like I'm smoking my cigarette and I'm walking around the town and okay. this is like or no in Maine and no one's walking around at 2 a.m. Okay. and i would just have all these weird ideas and then i would go back and i start writing them and it just became a collection of things i imagine when i'm walking okay okay so the novella has things like sometimes i'm talking to deers cuz you can see deers there yeah yeah and sometimes i'm talking to turtles <laughs> or like dogs 
and eventually when i had all the piece down and i started editing it yeah it sort of merged together into the story of like how i spent that winter in maine okay but it's all sort of imaginary stories okay which sort of i guess they were when i read them now they were reflecting my state of mind mm. so was cathartic in that sense because i was just writing them down mm-hmm. and processing my feeling Ah. by writing them down. Have you always been a writer, would you say? When did you discover the art of expressing your feelings in writing? So I started off by imitating, right? Okay. um, My dad was posted, like, he was in a government job. So he was in this town called Bolpur, which is in Bengal. Yeah. And that's the hometown of a very famous Indian poet called Rabindranath Tagore. Mm. Okay. He's won the Nobel Prize and stuff and... He, he, he wrote in Bengali. Okay. So this town is just, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to do there. And the first time I went there with my cousins, there was, yeah. we didn't even have, there was no TV or nothing. Yeah. There's one bus which takes you to the city mm-hmm. and it runs once every hour and it's just packed. There's people on the roof, there's people oh. hanging out and there's nothing to do. <laughs> so I guess that's, I got so bored, I started writing there. Plus I knew that, I was sort of like, oh, so this is this guy started writing here. Maybe I should also start writing. Yeah, yeah. And I thought maybe he was bored. That's why I started writing. So I started writing there. And then I actually started doing translation. Mm-hmm. So I would take like an English poem and then translate it into Hindi. Oh. Or like take a Hindi poem and try to translate it into English. Okay. And that's how it started. And, and then I started, like I had a diary and I started writing stuff. And it was sort of like a... I guess I thought I was like super cool, you know, like as I was writing and like <laughs> was making up poems. Yeah. And, but I also did like to make up stories. Like Okay. Um Yeah, so that was one of the things that I did with my friends is I would make up stories and sometimes they would just be like lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fictional. Fictional People stories. Call them fictional. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's very nice of you. <laughs> like I would I would make up stories about things that happened in school to scare people sometimes okay there was this one time i convinced a bunch of my friends that um so we had a, a playground okay it's really huge and the on the other end there were a bunch of trees and i convinced them that like that place is haunted okay and um so before i told them this i went there and i did some work and i like put some scratch marks on the branches <laughs> and I, I put in some effort in this and then I, I, threw, I found a piece of rope or something and I threw it over there yeah, on yeah. the branch. And I was like, this place is haunted. Someone died here and um, oh you should never go here alone. <laughs> and, and then and the, they believed it. And then I was building up on the story. And one day I found a piece of bone. <laughs> and I like put it in my pocket and I started showing. I was like, I found this bone. This belongs to the person who, who, like, who, who, who died there. And somebody complained to the teacher. <laughs> and I was called out. And they were like, um, I heard you're like spreading rumors. And I said, but I found this bone. I was trying to convince the teacher. I was in fourth or fifth grade. And then they told me that the bone is from, um, there's like a place where nearby where the dead, like sick cows and stuff were um, killed or something. Okay. And then sometimes the pieces would just like come over to the playground. Ah. And they were like, So the playground lying. was haunted, just not by humans, just yeah, cows. just cows. <laughs> Cow ghosts. <laughs> So how did you get into performing poetry, stories, and songs on stage? Performing poetry is, it's been about 
less than three years. So okay. 2016 again. 2016 was a shift. Yeah, it was like a awesomely depressing and awesomely great year for me. Mm. A lot of things happened. A lot. I found a lot of interests. I found a lot of ways of expressing myself. Okay. I made new friends. I lost some friends. It was it was just an amazing year. Okay. So okay. 2016 again. I was in Maine, and there okay. was um, they had an event called International Poetry Slam. Okay. Except it wasn't a slam. It was inviting all the international students to share poetry in their own language. Oh. Which I thought was really cool. Okay. And so I signed up for it. And, and then I was so excited that I wrote a poem in Hindi. Okay. And, and I, it was called Ek Kameez Ki Dasta, which is an autobiography of a t-shirt. I've heard that poem. Yeah, I performed that you in Hawaiian You have to France. give us that poem. <laughs> so I wrote that poem and I okay. show up to this thing. But, and, but then I, I find out that everyone else actually brought poems which were written by other people, like famous people, yeah. in their language and they were reciting it. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. I'm going to look like such a arrogant person here and go and like perform my own stuff <laughs> when everyone else is just reading from books. And yeah, yeah. So I did that and I just enjoyed it so much. Just being there, sharing my words. Yeah. And then there were some really nice people who came up to me and they were like, I really loved your poem. Yeah. And that's where it started. And then there was, a, there was an actual slam and it took part in the slam. And then I started looking up open mics Ooh. And then I would just go to open mics. And that's what I did when I moved here. Yeah. Is just look up open mics. So even if there were music open mics, I would just sign up and go do my poetry. Oh. So I think the first one was Anne O'Brien's. Okay. So they had an open mic on Tuesdays when I got here. Then okay. Hawaiian Brian's, the slam. Then okay. the dragon upstairs opened up. And then Om King on Sundays, I went there a couple of times. Yeah. So yeah, that's... Yeah, I just found found... I just had to go get over my fear of like sharing my work and then yes. I, I really enjoyed it yeah do you still have some of that fear sometimes when you share your work you're right before i was yeah. super nervous and like oh what's gonna happen yeah because i've been trying to like remember what i write hmm. and so teach that's me like, when you remember i i can't i just like <laughs> forget <laughs> I think it's a combination. There are some people who do it very well with yeah. an our poetry community, but mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of nervousness. And also for me, it's holding on to being authentic. It's like if I memorize something, then it's just that a memorized piece that I'm spitting over and over with no, and I, and I can attach value to it in memory. But I think when I'm, less focused on memorizing it and more focused on sharing the value of my story, mm-hmm. I feel much better. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't have to remember this. I'm just sharing it for both myself and that one odd person in the audience will go, that was for me. Right. I like that. Like for me, that's my high. That's my like poet high. Same here. You know, I'm just like that one person who comes up and is like your poem really touched me i'm like okay job done i wasn't here for the masses i was here for one person person. yeah Yeah. that's how i feel which is which is great like people are so awesome when they just come up and they tell you this Uh, last month in hawaiian brands i did this poem about how i burnt my food and i called it i remember chicken charcoal so it was just this poem i wrote after i actually burned my food yeah but then somebody came up to me and they were like I really liked your poem because it reminded me of 
of the time that I spend in a hospice okay. with people who are about to like die and they're taking care. Oh, that's dark. And he was like, the way your story, like poem ended kind of dark about like, you know, talking about death and stuff. Yeah. It reminded me of my time there and like how it sounds sad to be in a hospice, but I have a really good time surrounded by these people yeah. who, you know, he, he plays like music for them. Yeah. And he was able to, he just, he put it so beautifully and I was like, wow, like, <laughs> I, I don't even know like what to say. This is just great. What do you think the reason for a close friend describing you as someone who is addicted to despair is? Well, A, I think it's true. <laughs> B, I, I don't know. I used to first, I used to question that a lot. Okay. It's like, why do I feel so sad? Like sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just who I am. Mm. Sometimes I just like being sad. And now okay. I've started, instead of questioning why am I sad? Okay. I've started becoming excited about being sad. Oh. This, this is weird. Yeah. So, like, I get back from work sometimes. Okay. And I know, oh, I'm going to be really sad, like, for no reason. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to order myself pizza, get a big bottle of soda, <laughs> put on a movie, and then be, like, awesome sad. Like, just enjoy my sadness. Awesome sad. I think you're the first person to use those words <laughs> next to each other like that. <laughs> it's It's... When you look at it from outside, it's super unhealthy. It's me just being sad, eating a whole pizza and soda by myself. But I'm beginning to enjoy that experience. Because mm. I feel like... Because I found that sometimes I'm happy for no reason. I'll okay. be walking down the street and I'm just like, oh, I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I happy? I don't know. So I guess if I'm sad, then it's just, you know, why am I sad? I shouldn't be questioning that. Yeah. Plus, I feel like I'm much more creative when I'm sad, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Do you find yourself writing happy things or sad things when you're sad? How does it work? I only write when I'm, like, sad, mostly. Mm -hmm. It's either if I'm sad or if I've set a routine um, of, like, okay, um, every other day, 5 p.m., I'm going to go to the coffee shop and write whatever comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Then I just go and write whatever comes to my mind. Okay. Otherwise, usually I write between like 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., which is when I'm like the saddest. <laughs> mm, interesting. What's the time difference between Hawaii and India? 16 hours. 16 hours. Yeah. But I've always been a night person. Okay. Oh, interesting. What causes homesickness for you and would you say you found ways to get through it? Homesickness, so one is not being able to like talk in my language. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. It's just like, I mean, I'm fluent in English and I, I can talk well in English, but I guess there's something about talking your, talking, speaking in your mother tongue, which feels effortless. Yes. So you don't even know you're putting an effort when you're mm-hmm. talking in another language. Yes. I miss the food. I miss my family. So I guess the the way I counter that is I have a lot of friends um, who are from Nepal here who also speak Nepali. Okay. So when I hang out with them, I just feel like I'm at home mm-hmm. because I'm talking in Nepali to them. Yeah. And the only place I speak in Nepali is at home. Yeah. So when I'm with them, it's like, oh, I'm home because yeah. I'm speaking my language. Have you always been... St- 
connected to the sadness? Do you think there's like an increase in the sadness that you occasionally feel here with missing home and being homesick? Is there a correlation between those two? Are they separate feelings? You've always been quite a sad person. Or... I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if... So... I don't think a lot of my friends would call me sad person. Okay. But... Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not so much to do with being here. Okay. Because I remember even when I was back home, sometimes I would I would just I would have this feeling of, of I would I would call it my heart sinking into my belly and then coming out, like and and me shitting it out. It kind of feels that way, so the the sadness that is because I, I too have experience with sadness and so I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to figure out when it started because if I can find out where the root is, I can chop off the tree, mm-hmm. you know, but if you're, if you don't know what you're looking for, then you don't know what you're looking for. Right. So it, I know that feeling, that feeling that feels like your heart's on like dangly strings and it just like all is of a sudden, just like boom, just into down. your stomach. Yeah. Recently in a new poem, I used the phrase, my heart fell into my stomach and it buried itself there. You know, pretty mm. much. It, like, mm. it feels like for the rest of the time, it's just yeah. sitting there. Yeah, because it feels empty here. and it's Yeah. All the weight is there. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember I remember distinctly feeling that and then, like, telling my friends and then we we're all, like, laughing about it. Yeah. Not a lot of people, I think, experience that because I talk to what I consider normal people. Like, I'm interested in normal <laughs> people if there's still any normal people left. But I, like... I want to know what it feels like to have your heart like attached all the time. Like, have you met a really, really happy person all the time? Like there is nothing that happens. This person's like, it's a great day. It's amazing. You know, yeah. I love my family and I'm having an amazing life. I'm like, what, what are you on? Like, yeah, what drug I, I is that? It's so hard to be around. <laughs> I'm just like, I feel exhausted. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? Because it turns the light more on why am I so ungrateful? Like this person is looking at a really, really bad situation and Mm -hmm. they have a really, they have some disturbing things going on in their lives, but they are not sad. Right. They're they're so well put together. And for me, it's like sometimes I miss like like laundry and then I'm like, oh. Yes. It's like, I'm I'm done. Everything is terrible. (laughs) And, you know, everything is going to like end up. It's all too much. Ah. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, I just need to do laundry. And then I can go do laundry and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm good now. Do you think that having relocated has like exacerbated some of the issues that you feel with sadness? Probably not. Or just is it the exact same amount you used to feel when you were back home? Oh, I think it's the same amount, but Mm -hmm. I also um, have had a lot of happy experiences since I moved to and I I think I feel like with time yes I'm becoming like better at experiencing sadness uh, if that makes sense yes like earlier it was I did I couldn't process what I was feeling mm-hmm. and like you know I would go just go out and drink a lot or like yeah. go, go party or like you know 
I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I couldn't process. But okay. now it's more like I know what the feeling is. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be kind of sad. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's like, okay. So I feel like I'm, I'm becoming more adept at like... Okay. Channeling the sadness and be like, oh, I'm getting sad, which means I should like sit down with a pen and paper and see what I come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Challenging your sadness and making a profit out of it. I yeah. See. And then that's how like... Right after I started performing and I, whenever I was sad, I started like writing things to make myself laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of the things that I wrote during that time, like I talk about death and I talk about like depression, but I was trying to like, cause when I'm writing, I know I'm already sad. Okay. So I don't just want to write something sad. So okay. I'm, I'm trying to like make myself laugh. Okay. So I, I just come up with something and which, whichever, whatever I find funny, I'll just write it. Okay. And then. I try to perform that to sort of like balance out, like not, not to belittle the feeling of being depressed, Okay. but also not let it overpower and be like, oh, it's like taking over me. Yeah. yeah. But be like, it exists, but hey, it's kind of funny that it exists. Yeah. (laughs) So that's sort of like the goal, I guess. Hmm is to be able to give it space but then also be like hey that's kind of funny like I just missed laundry and I feel sad that's like Mm. no (laughs) that's it's an interesting relationship it's the relearning and rediscovering and setting what makes you comfortable and what doesn't make you comfortable and why the whys behind the two sides to everything Mm mm-hmm it's building a good relationship with yourself because I think a lot of people do resort to alcohol. They're like, it's too much. I don't want to, I don't want to have to sit with myself and like have these discussions and talk about it. Like myself will figure out and come to the party with me when it's ready. But in the meantime, I'm going to be at the bar drinking. I'm going to be at the bar taking drugs and like, (laughs) which makes sense too, because it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Not the drugs. (laughs) I'm not saying you should do it, but like alcohol is, it's, I mean, there's a reason why it's a problem. It's because it, it it works to numb yourself really well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of sad that we have to be those people, you know, who rely and co-depend on certain things to make the inside feel better. But we're bodies, physical bodies having a physical expression of what life is. But more than body, like bodies, 20% of who we are, 80% of it is all internal. So if we spent more time, I think, I don't know, I might be completely wrong, like completely off the mark. But if we meditate and spend more time with ourselves trying to figure out why it is we feel the way we do and why we want to run away from how we feel the way we do. Because sometimes I've been like, my biggest thing has been homesickness, you know, and recently, like I, I've been, I've been here for three years and my mind's been spinning endlessly as on why are you homesick? Because there were times you were home and you didn't want to be home. Right. So you have the privilege now to be so far away from home and you're homesick. Excuse me. You don't get to wish for certain things and then they happen and then you cry about them happening. Like that's diva attitude, you know? And so recently when I was thinking about homesickness, I realized 
it's not home I'm looking for. Like, it's not South Africa that I miss, but it's just the knowing and acknowledgement of the fact that this me that I am now is constantly changing. And the me that existed in South Africa doesn't exist anymore. Like, I can no longer be that person. I can no longer be 21 and just graduated out of college and super excited about life. But that doesn't mean that this now life is sad. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nothing to be joyous about. It just means that there are different things that define happiness in this moment and in this now me. But when I move to 30, I may not even like this me here and I may like the 30-year-old me, but we're constantly just transitioning and the yearning to go back to a certain relationship or certain friendships or whatever is a longing for a person we will never be. And I think at the core of my sadness, like on the deep, on the inside, that's kind of what it is. It's like a loss, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I, I hear the elderly sometimes speak about they loss for youth, like their youthness. And it's like, oh, I can see that. But I'm not super old. I'm not like in my 90s. But I still feel like to be 16, get into my mom's lap and cry about getting bad grades at school. Like I can never do that Yeah. at this age. I'm like mm-hmm. 25. So I'm like, what are you crying about? Even now, and my mom's always been like super deal with it we got to keep going. This is life. This is how it kind of happens. And I thought it was harsh, but it was just preparing you for what is actually life. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you're going to stop and cry. How, how long do you intend on doing this? Because while you're doing this, there's more things happening. So are you going to postpone the crying for those things and then maybe cry about them later? Which brings me to my next question. You know, why do you believe that negative emotions are not given the respect that they deserve well it's because you know um you don't you you hear people talk about like good things happening or like saying i'm fine how are you i'm fine like nobody like you know nobody walks around saying man i'm so depressed like yeah um, i I wish i could like not have to show up to work Mm. and i mean if you do that people just don't react the same way right yes they feel sorry, like, oh, yeah. I, I shouldn't have asked. I don't know what to do with exactly. that response. There's, like, two extreme responses. Either they're like, oh, you know, like, that's just life. You, like, you know, get over it. Or yeah. then there's the other one, which is they're just like, oh, no. like, oh, What did what? I get myself into? Yeah, like, Are they going to cry? What am I going to yeah, do if they cry? What, what am I going to do now? Like, why did I ask? <laughs> why did you reply like that or something like that? Yeah. Whereas when you think about positive emotions, there's, like, you know, people are just okay. They just take yeah. it as okay. Okay but it should be like that for everything. Like, I don't, I don't, sometimes when I want to talk to someone and tell them that I'm feeling low, mm-hmm. I have to ask myself a hundred questions, you know, like, oh, am I being a burden? Like, you know, why am I always like this? Like, why am yeah. I? But if I have some good news, I don't stop, like, to think one second. I'll be like, hey, this thing happened and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And they just mm-hmm. be like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But not the other way around, you know? Yeah. Where I can just, there are some people with whom you can be, you can share, which is awesome. And I'm really thankful that I know some people like that. Yeah. But they'll just listen and be like, yeah, okay, do you want to go get some food? It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just want to like share something like without having to, I don't know. Yeah, to like have that, I don't want to offend you. Like, I'm sorry I put you 
in this position where you have to carry my emotions. You have to feel burdened, like you have to do something. Because sometimes talking to someone about your emotions isn't about seeking help for something to be done Mm -hmm. with those emotions. So one of the things that I've taught myself to do, because it's human instinct, we want to help and we want to make people feel better. So we rush and go, how can I help? How can I make it better? But now when people are pouring out their hearts or whatever, I find myself asking them, what is it that you want from me that you think will help you? Do you want my advice? Because sometimes advice, even the best advice given at the wrong time could be taken the wrong way and end friendships and relationships. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people don't even want your advice. So yes, you're trying to be good. And yes, you're trying to be knowledgeable on a certain subject or whatever. But people don't want to hear that. It's arrogant. It's it's egotistical. So you have to go, what do you want from me? Do you just Mm -hmm. want me to listen? Do you want my advice? Do you need a hug? Do you want to go out and hang out after this outpour? Like, what is it that you want? And I will be here in the way that you want me to be here and take us out aside the subjectiveness of my being here. It's not about me right now and what I need to do and what how this makes me feel, but it's more about giving you the freedom to be who you want to be. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's... So from a very personal experience... When I was in 11th grade, mm-hmm. again, I was kind of doing a lot of things which I thought was like expected of me and I was yeah. put myself under a lot of pressure and I was like, now when I look back, really depressed. Yeah. And then one day when I was at school, I just, I asked one of my friends, like, hey, can you give me a hug? Yeah. Like, I was feeling so sad. Yeah. And he gave me a hug, but he was really weirded out because yeah. it's not so, like, Common. I found out and I was like, I guess it did not sound so common to me either. Like, And then it made me think, I was like, why is it like, why is it not so common? Why can't I just like go up to someone I know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be like, hey, I, I would like a hug. Yeah. And it's okay if they're like, I'm not comfortable hugging you. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. But just being like, what? That's like weird. Like, why is it weird? Yeah. Like you can go up to people and ask them, hey, what time is it? Is it? Yeah. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. But you want to ask for a hug? No. But like Personal when you ask for a hug, it becomes like so bad. I and mean, when sometimes it's that's all you need. Mm. And even like here when I moved the first time, um, I saw this girl at um, at an open mic. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple of weeks later, I was really depressed. And I was just crossing a street and I saw her and she gave me a hug. And she was like, hey, nice to see you. And that just made my day. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. And I guess that's why I feel like I wish, you know, we could just talk about everything just openly because that normalizes things yeah then it just becomes more acceptable yeah and right now it's i feel like it's like you have to really like put a mask yeah you have to show up with your best attitude people don't want broken hearts and they don't want the nasty emotion they only will accommodate it on the news because news is supposed to be negative but the rest of you, put on your smiley faces <laughs> right. and let's be happy. This is a happy marathon exactly. and you run with that big smile. Let's go. And sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like smiling. You know, I just, I, I don't feel good. And I want, you know, people go, how are you? And if you really say how you are, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. I, I hope you feel better. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I gotta go, you know. 
wish people would stop and go, whoa, that is the most human experience I've had in a long time. Exactly. Like, that is the first time I've heard someone answer the, really answer the question, how are you? You know, like, mm-hmm. last night I was struggling with my breath and I'm having a hard time breathing and I'm, like, stressed out and all these things are going on. I don't want you to do anything about it. But because you asked me and you gave me the freedom to talk about how I feel, here it is. Right. And that's that's one thing that I found like here is it's a very common way of starting a conversation or just acknowledging people. Yeah. It's like you're asking how, how, how you are, yeah. but like you're not supposed to actually say how you're feeling. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a time someone asked me, oh, how are you? And I was just like, oh, Alive, I'm glad or like I'm existing. Yeah. And that was exactly how I was feeling because I was yeah. like, I, I cannot express this in any other way. I'm just glad like I'm existing right now. Yeah. And they would just be like, whoa. And just leave. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, get away from here with this yes, madness. Like, what is this weird answer about existing and being alive? Like, <laughs> just say I'm good and just smile and walk away like everyone else. <laughs> you abnormal person (laughs) less than human don't you see everyone else having a human experience right it's like i'm sure you feel like that sometime you liar you don't want to acknowledge it (laughs) that's what i feel about like everybody has like shitty moments and i don't know why they want to talk about it or acknowledge it and we'd be so much better if other people didn't feel like they're alone right because we're at we're at a time in our world where a lot of people feel like they're by themselves. And so if people just came out and said, hey, my life, my job, my relationship, my, you know, and just had honest opinions and, you know, expressions of how they feel, it would give people, the f- other people, the freedom to come out and just release all that emotion and not carry it around like that heavy baggage, that heart and the stomach buried there the whole time, you know, so. It could help. Yeah, that's... I feel like everyone would just be so much nicer, so much more relaxed. Yeah. And, like, be able to genuinely be yourself. Yeah. I don't don't know why. I hope that becomes a possibility at some point. Well, it starts with us. We make the change and we allow people to be who they want to be in our lives. And then they can give other people that freedom. And those people will give other people that freedom, you know? Where you, you change it slowly. Remember, we're not here to like make big bang differences. Right. We're here to make small, daily differences. It starts with like, yourself. What can I change about my own self? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here. I've had a phenomenal time. It has been a blissful journey with you. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me out of my shell. It's been, like I said, a rough couple of weeks and it's nice to have this and to be present in this space and this moment and to really realize what life is. You know, tomorrow when I'm at work and I'm thinking about how sad I may be feeling, I think about moments like this and people like you who feel and crave a human experience in this space. And it makes it all better. It brings light. It's like, okay like at least a thousand of you guys on this island and maybe 
couple of hundred on the mainland and then a couple of ten thousands in the world, you know. So there's people yeah. who feel the way you and I do. Yeah, thank you so much for like like having a space where I can share this feeling and <laughs> and not be like, you know weird. Yeah. Or like feel judged and where I can be like open and it's like, oh okay, this idea which Sometimes I do think it's kind of weird, but hey, here's a friend who thinks it's not that weird, so it must not be so weird. <laughs> and if you ever get some alien booze, just swing it down my way. I don't drink beer, so tell them to like vodka it down for me. <laughs> <laughs> alien booze is like just, it's gonna be super awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. JWM family, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would love more of Pratik, then find him on Instagram at Goatman, a handle inspired by his love for playing with and eating goats. The URL is in the episode notes. Also, don't forget to review the show on your listening platform and follow us on Instagram for cool episode artwork and updates. In the next episode, we interview the naughty vegan Mark. He is an organic farmer, owner of a tattoo shop and an events venue called the Good Vibes Center. Join us as we explore his struggle with alcoholism and childhood traumas all in the next episode. Until then, mahalo kwe kiotaba riwile aloha.